Father God, we do sing your praises. We, we do know that you are, you are our God. Christ is our only hope. And we praise you for your mercy and your kindness. Father, as we open your word this morning, as we consider how we are to pray, Father, help us to pray in a way that focuses on you, aligns our minds, our wills to yours. Father, that our prayers would be useful and effective. Father, but more than that, or help us, Father, to see Christ and hear from Christ and focus on Him, His Lordship, His, His work on our behalf. Father, help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we can live more for Your glory and His sake. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Grace Fellowship Church. Um, this week at our elder meeting, we were we were talking about knowing the flock, uh, knowing the members of this church, knowing their families, uh, knowing their struggles, their joys, uh, their relational issues. Uh, how, how do I have, we were talking about, you know, I, I have an advantage in that because because I am um, full-time pastor provided for by this church and part of my calling and my duties are to meet regularly with with you all. And so I, I get to know you all quite well. The other elders know you, but they know you a little bit less. And the difference is because because of the time that I get to spend with you. How, how we come to know one another is how we spend time together. Um, recently, one of the elders was encouraging one of the brothers in the church to have a burger with the men of the church. And it was It's code for get to know them. Just go and have a burger. Sit down and get to know the brethren. And, uh, I, 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 and in our discussion, we were talking about um, the other two elders finding time to, to get together with you all, to, to know you more, to, to know your struggles, your joys, your relationships, what's going on in your life. Uh, and I, I, I guess I want to take this opportunity to broaden that out to all of us all of this congregation. If we are to be praying for one another, if we are to be carrying one another's burdens, if we are to be spurring one another onto love and good work, if we are to be showing hospitality to one another, how can we do that if we don't spend time together? Uh, I don't know how we can know one another. So my encouragement is, man, have a burger with the other men of the church. Ladies, have a latte. 
and so that I don't come across as too sexist. Ladies, go and have a burger, and men, go have a latte. It's not too sweet of a latte. Get together. Like, I, like, like the church... So, so again, I, I am so, you all know this, but I just, I'm so thankful for the church that God has blessed me to be part of. I'm so thankful. I can't express to you how joyful I am to pastor this church. But the church where you were a few years ago, there was a lot more people knowing one another. A lot more burgers being had and lattes being drank. Now, one of the things that's happened is we have a lot of kids. And a lot of kids mean a lot more stuff to do. And I understand that, and I recognize that. But, but I want to encourage us to get together. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I look out, and I remember you men and women getting together regularly and the, and the benefit that was in our lives. And it is harder, for sure, depending on a season of life, but it's not impossible to get together. If you just think about the priorities of what we do in our lives, uh, I, 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 I want my exhortation is to give a priority to getting together with the brethren and their families. Uh, some of us, look, my wife and I, I was just talking about this week with, the, I think, the Zoods. Uh, it's been a long time since the Zoods have been at our home. And, and I'm bothered by that. Now, look, a season of our life where we have different responsibilities with my in-laws and uh, there, there's different things that are happening in our lives that that make that more challenging but it's it's going to it's going to come back into our lives it's not that we've stopped it completely but it's been a while and and again I look around and I think about you know, I think about sister Brenda she regularly was getting together with women of this church regularly and then life changed they adopted children, and things got different, and, and some things are still different. And, and so there isn't an inordinate amount of time, but I do want you all to have lattes and burgers together. And, and not just the two people you always do it with. Yes, them, but not just them. You ought to know, the brothers and sisters of this church, we have an obligation to do the one another's, and I'm going to argue you cannot do those if you don't know one another at a, at a at a base level, you, how can you do any of that if you don't know one another? And it, and it is true, you know, we, we have some confessions, but we have many people who don't talk about what they're struggling with. How do you know? Like, mm, I don't want to pick on people, but I, I guess, you know, my life is fairly public, and, and you all know about what goes on, so you know more about Emily's in my life. But, but how many of you know um, what Amanda's struggling with? What are her joys and her struggles? You know, what, what, how about Josiah? What's Josiah going through right now at this stage of life? I don't know what you might have garnered from me or from Jason, maybe talking about that or talking to Tony. We don't know. I think we ought to know. So my encouragement is have a burger, have a latte. Men be men and women be women, so do that however you want. All right. Turn to Luke chapter 11, where we are going to end up. Uh, this week uh, with the model prayer. Remember, Jesus taught taught us how to pray here. Also, in 18 months earlier or so, he taught on model prayer or how to pray in, in Galilee at the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, our, our prayer life, we talk about this lots, but our prayer life is is vital 
to our sanctification and to 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 making God look good and to the to the to the growth of or the sanctification of God's people. That prayer is the the means by which God accomplishes the things that He's decreed. So it matters how we pray. It's an important topic. So let's stand and we will read Luke one or Luke eleven one through four, and we will finish up this section of scripture today. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. You may be seated. I don't know what it was like to live in first century Israel. Nor do you. We don't know what it was like uh, to live like a Puritan or a pilgrim in the 1600s, 1700s. We don't don't know what that was like. Uh, I know there's nothing new under the sun, so I know they had similar struggles to what we have, but I don't know what that was like. But I am very familiar with the issues that Christians face in 21st century North America. We're all very familiar with that. It's the time we live in, and so we know of our temptations. We have, we have so many temptations. We have, the, we have the dollars and the access to just about everything. We have the resources and the access to... We can buy almost anything we want and have it here in two days. There's temptation in that. We can eat food without much preparation time. There's temptation in that. We can access pictures and movies at the push of a button anytime we want. And there's there's temptation in that. We're inundated with with advertisement and and social media of ways to feed our flesh. And again, I don't know what it was like in first century Israel. I don't know what it's like as a I know what it's like in 21st century North America and the things that are right there at our disposal that are temptations. They're temptations to sin. We live we live in a world where where as much as half the adult population is divorced. We we're told from a young age how special we are and how we've got to look out for ourselves and lots of temptations. We, we need to understand when we pray uh, concerning our temptations and, and God's involvement in our temptations and what is it that we're to be praying because Jesus teaches, he says, and lead us not into temptation. Lead us, Espero, to bring in, to carry. This is the same word we see used in Luke 5 when the, when the four men carry the paralytic to Jesus. So, so we're actually saying, carry us not, carry us, God, not into temptation. The word there is 
Perasmas. And we're going to see this word a lot today. Perasmas. And it means examination. Submit another to a test to learn the true nature or character of. So perasmas, a, a temptation, can be putting someone to the test to find out what their character is. It also can mean temptation or trial given for the purpose to make one stumble. So the word means both of those things, and those things aren't the same. But, but the word perasmas, it can be an examination, submitting someone to a test to see their true nature or character, or given for the purpose to make one stumble. So we see this, this word, and, and again, we're to be praying, carry us, God, lead us not into parasmas, temptation. This word parasmas is used in James 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials, parasmas, of various kinds. So if we are to count it all joy... To meet parasmas, why would we pray God wouldn't carry us into those? It doesn't seem to make much sense, does it? Down in verse 12 of James 1, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, parasmas. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love them. So, stay steadfast under trials. Parasmas, they're good for you. Count it joy and stay steadfast. And then, when you stand when you stand, you will, you will stand the test, you will receive the crown of life. So it doesn't sound like we should pray not to have those. It goes on and says, Let no one say when he is tempted, parasmas, I am being parasmas by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. So we know that as a matter of fact, God will not carry us into these kind of temptations. God will not take us into temptation and trials that are for the purpose of making someone stumble. And yet it's the same word that, that's used. So we're praying that God would not carry us into trials nor temptations, both or neither. So let's, let's look at how, how we are to view trials. Looking again at James 1, 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet parasmas of various kinds. Why? Why should we count it all joy when we have trials? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Trials are Good for us. Parasmas. The thing we're told, lead us not into, or are we? Those are good for us. They are sanctifying for us. The temptation to hate hate, or to be angry or to exact vengeance towards someone who sins against us, that temptation, that trial, that's good for us. The temptation to to feed our flesh instead of caring for our soul. That temptation, that trial is good for us. Because it produces steadfastness. And steadfastness has, has a full effect that we can be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Growing in our holiness. Job 23.10 But he knows the way that I take. He, God, knows the way that I take when he, God, has tried me 
I shall come out as gold. God tried Job greatly, yes? And interesting, we'll get back to this a little bit, but did he did God lead Job into temptation to stumble or to test his character? The devil, did he tempt Job to sin? By the devil coming and doing all these things to him? Yes, but God did not do that. God is the primary source of all things, a primary agent, but a secondary agent was used. So, so God sent trials into Job's life that were good for him. He came out like gold. God gives us trials, and that's good for us. Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Though through Isaac shall be your offspring be named, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did not he did receive him back. So Abraham was tested by God when God told him to sacrifice his son Isaac, the, the promised seed. And Abraham, by faith, he he believed God's promises and the power of God, and, and it was counted to him as righteousness when he made it through that test. So, so going back, we, we certainly aren't to be praying, God, don't give me these trials. Paul had, had, a, had a great trial of some sort. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12. So, keep me, so to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. Paul says, look, I, I, God revealed lots to me. Paul, I'm an apostle. God speaks directly to me. I've been to the third heaven. I mean, I I have got a lot of God's wisdom. And to keep me from being conceited, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The trial, this thorn, probably these men who were reviling and slandering him, it was given him to keep him from being conceited and puffed up and keep him leaning in to Christ for more strength. So it was a good thing. This trial was a good thing, Paul says. Jesus himself was tempted for 40 days in the desert. Luke 4, for 40 days being tempted, parasmas, by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. He was tempted by the devil. Yes? How did he get to the desert? He was led by the Holy Spirit of God. So God carried him into a trial where he was tempted by Satan and found to be righteous, being prepared for his ministry. Hebrews 5.8 Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus was tempted in every way we are, and he learned obedience because of those temptations, trials, testing of his character. He learned through that obedience. 
not, not a temptation to cause him to stumble. First Peter 1. Just like James, Peter says this, In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various parasmas. So in, rejoice that you are suffering trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be joyful when you receive a trial testing your faith so that this, this, te- this faith that's being tested by fire that's more precious than gold may be found to result in praise and glory and honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ. This trial tests your character and shows you to be faithful trusting in Christ that when he returns, you'll be with him in glory. So again, we cannot be being told by Jesus not to pray for trials. Parasmas. 1 Peter 5.10 And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you in this eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Being tested by trials is good for God's elect. So they're to be expected. They are they're to be useful to mature us as believers. So in the in the usage of the word parasmas as a trial, a testing of faith, a testing of character, to to show oneself approved, those are things we ought not be praying we don't have. We actually ought to be praying that they would come. We actually ought to be ready for those and knowing that, that not that we have to make them come, but we know God's going to send them because he's going to continue to make us more like his son. And without those, we don't grow. We don't grow and change without trials. So we welcome those. So we aren't being taught to pray against having those. So what about temptations? The other way the word is used. Same word, parasmas, a little bit different meaning. Let's look back at James 1, again, in, in verse 13. Let no one say when he's being tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and himself tempts no one. So God will not give a, a trial or a temptation intended to make one stumble. The, the one, the trials or the temptations... But each person is tempted, parasmas, when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived birth, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. The temptation that brings death is the temptation we have, not as given by God. God gives a trial or a temptation. He does not give a temptation that would cause us to stumble. It is our temptation towards those things that cause us to stumble. In Matthew 6, 13, remember, when Jesus taught on this in the other occasion, there's an addition here that's helpful. 
And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Raomai. It means to save, to protect. Protect us from evil. Save us from evil. So we are praying, God, lead us not into a temptation that would cause us to sin. And by the way, we know he won't. So we're simply praying back to him what we know to be true, kind of like give us our daily bread. We are praying that God, as we have these trials, lead us not into temptation. You won't, but we're saying that deliver us from evil. Rayomai. We pray that God would lead us not in temptation. We're also praying that he would, he would deliver us from Satan, from evil, from the devil. In Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us. Okay? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. All right? So Brother Tony has been delivered from darkness into the kingdom of his son. So why would he have to pray for deliverance? Why would he have to be pray to be saved, to be protected? Well, he doesn't have to pray to be saved. That's already done. That's not what would be being prayed here. Now, in second uh, in Second Corinthians one ten, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. So, God will deliver us again. When will he deliver us again? When we breathe our last and when he returns, he will deliver us again into glory. He will save us. He will protect us. Remember, salvation, it's not, we, we talk about regeneration and salvation. Salvation is not a one-time thing. Salvation, we were saved before time began, when God elected us. We were saved at the cross. I was saved September 11th of 2001. I am being saved now and I will be saved again when I breathe my last. So we are praying that God would deliver us and we have a mind towards delivering us in the future when we breathe our last. That's something we certainly pray. Then 2 Thessalonians 3.1. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may be speed ahead and be honored as happened among you and that we we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So he is currently delivering us. We, this is where this prayer mainly is. We are currently being delivered from evil. We have been delivered when we were brought into the kingdom. We will be delivered or saved, this word, Raomai, and we are being delivered. Now, he, he has delivered us, he will deliver us, and we are being delivered ongoingly. So we pray, lead us not in temptation, God Protect us. Protect us from trials becoming temptations that have us to sin. What does God desire for us? What is the reality of our situation? Why do we pray this way? What is the will of God for His children? In 1 Peter 5 it says, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The devil is prowling around, looking for whom he can devour. So we are to be sober-minded, we're to be clear-headed, and we're to be alert. 
We're to be watching out for. So part of our prayer is, God, make me sober-minded. Make us sober-minded. Make us see these things that we are going to be tempted by. Help us, help us in our trials to see these things clearly that we may be tempted by because the devil desires to devour us. Part of our prayer is, God, we know he can't. Help us to see those things. Help us to be clear-headed and sober-minded. <laughs> that a temptation, which is intended for someone to stumble, the second word, word, uh, use of the word parasmas, that something that is intended for me to stumble, God, help me to clearly see that, that it's a trial that sanctifies me, not a temptation that causes me then to stumble. Give me clear thought, clear vision about these, these things that, that are in my life and around my life that draw me away, that could lead to me being tempted and then lead to sin, and then ultimately could lead to death. First Corinthians 10. No perasmas has overtaken you that is not common to man. These trials, these what Satan intends for temptations causing you to stumble, you are not the only man or woman to ever be tempted in these ways. You are not the only man who's ever been tempted to watch pornography. It's common. This temptation is common. You are not the only wife who's tempted to control her husband. You're not the only child who is tempted to disobey your parents. You're not the only Christian to have been slandered and reviled and want to take revenge or have be tempted to take revenge. These temptations, these parismas, they're common to all men. You're not unique. And God is faithful. And he will not let you be parasmas beyond your ability. But with that parasmas, he will provide the way of escape. Now, the way of escape, not a way. The way is Jesus Christ. Okay, that is the way of escape, Jesus Christ. And in Christ, that you may be able to endure it, any temptation that comes toward us, any trial that God brings into our lives, that the devil would intend for it to be a temptation that would have us to fall into sin and death, that's common to man, and there's always a way out. God is faithful. There's a way out. The way out is Jesus Christ. That's the way out. And the way out of each particular thing that we find ourselves tested by is the Spirit of God living in us and the Word of God guiding us. When you have a trial, Abraham had a trial. What was his trial? God tells him, sacrifice your son in whom is the promised seed for your descendants sacrifice him? And what Abraham did was he believed God, that God 
would keep his promise to give him descendants and that God had the power to give him a different sacrifice or bring up his descendants in another way. We have a way out of any trial that we find ourselves in, that God puts us in. Uh, Pastor Tyler was telling us this morning from Psalm 25 that nothing comes our way that doesn't pass through God. Amen. Nothing comes our way that God didn't send. That doesn't mean he sent the devil to deal with Job in bad ways. But he's God's devil. And he did to test his character. And he didn't give him any more than he could handle. He never sinned with his mouth through all of that, did he? So he's not going to send anything your way that's not common to man. And there's nothing he's going to send your way, Christian, that you don't have a way out of. By the power of the Holy Spirit and being informed by the Word of God. Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel with my eye upon you. God instructs us via His words and those who bring His words to us. But God instructs and teaches us the way we should go. He counsels us with an eye on us. He's our Father. Be be not, listen, Christian, be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle or it will not stay near you. A horse or a mule that doesn't have a bit or a bridle will run. You know, Rennie runs if you open the door and you don't have a chain on him. Don't be like that, Christian. God instructs you, don't be one that has to be chained and held, or you're going to run. Receive His instruction. That's your way out. That's your way out of this trial you're in that's a temptation. Psalm 48, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is written in within my heart. How do we know God's will? His word is in writing, and it's on our hearts. And as Christians, we desire and delight to do that. You're not the first man to be tempted to watch pornography. You're not the first man that's been tempted to lie in a business dealing for your own financial gain. The Word of God is your way out. I'll not set my eyes upon anything evil. God hates dishonest weights and measures. There's plenty of scriptures that are my way out when I'm tempted to do those things. You're not the first woman to be tempted to to tell your husband what to do and to sit on him. But you have the Word of God that says, have a quiet and gentle spirit that even if your husband is sinning, You can win him over with a quiet and gentle spirit without a word. Yeah, the word of God that says you're to reverence him as Sarah reverences Abram and and called him Lord. This is your way out. Delight in it. Psalm 1911, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. A trial that God sends, a temptation that would want you to sin in the devil's way or the way a temptation could be, if you store up your word in your heart, what's going to keep you from sinning against him and being obedient to what he's told you by the power of the Holy Spirit because of the work of Jesus Christ. That's your way out. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. 
Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Listen, we know these, right? We all, yep, yep, yep. Do we actually hide God's word in our heart? Is it actually a a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path? And the reason I wonder is because how often are you in it when you're in a trial? Or you're trying just to figure it out yourself? Are you actually, with a humble heart, going to the Word of God to be informed by God and led by the Spirit then to act out of what the Word of God says? There's a man in this church who struggles with, with pornography, and, and the victory he's had is when, he, when he's tempted, he goes to the Word. He goes to song. He goes to prayer. And when he doesn't, it does not go well. This is true of every one of us, if we're Christians. Trials are good for us. Trials that test our character make us more like Christ. God doesn't tempt us. Don't say God's tempting you because we know God's sovereign. And if God places things in my life, look, God's tempting me. No, he's trying you, Christian, to check your character, to build you and grow you. And by the way, he's a father who loves you, who will chasten you, but he's not doing it to kick you out of the kingdom. He's doing it like he did with Paul to make him less conceited and more leaning in to his need for Jesus Christ. That he could be strong that way. Joshua 1.8, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success. How will you make it through a trial? By meditating on the Word day and night. And then actually believing it, and actually putting it in by the power of the Spirit, in and through Jesus Christ, by actually implementing it into your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Be not wise in your own eyes. When we pray that God would protect us from temptations leading to destruction, when we pray, we are praying that God would deliver us from evil. When we pray, we are praying that that we would be instructed by His Word to not fall into those things and turn them into temptations that cause us to sin and to fall. But we recognize these are trials, and He is enough. His Spirit is enough. Christ is enough. The Word of God is enough to get us through that trial. But not when we try to do it in our own wisdom, our own strength, in our own ways. Think about think about the number of times in your own mind, in your own life, whatever it is that you struggle with. And I, I pick some that are general because it's true of all of us. The husband that is harsh with his wife makes 
every excuse in the book in their mind and if you talk to them of why they do that. Justify it. Instead of simply understanding, God says, don't be harsh with your wife. Cherish her. Dwell with her with understanding. Treat her as the weaker vessel. It is as simple as I'm in a trial. What does God tell me to do? What 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 am I to do? Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let her have it. This has been going on far too long. She needs to hear it. I better correct her. I'm going to send her pretty hard. I don't find it in Scripture. That's not called loving and leading your wife. That's called being harsh with her. I'm just going to give him the cold shoulder. He keeps being mean to me. I'm just going to give him the cold shoulder. I'm not going to talk to him. I'm certainly not going to reference him. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make sure the kids know how bad he is. I'm going to make sure my friends at church know how bad he is. Nowhere in the Word of God. You actually might have a trial of how your husband's treating you, wives. You actually might be being tried to see your character. And you have testimonies. We have testimonies of, of women who have seen that and have grown in holiness through that process. Remember, this is an us prayer. This is not a me prayer. This is an us prayer. Father, deliver Stephanie. Father, protect Jonathan. Father, lead Pastor Mike through his trials by your spirit and through your truths. This is an us prayer. Father, help us to forgive in the way you forgive us. Second Timothy three sixteen. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. Every good work, even and especially the good work of going through trials without being tempted to sin. This. Believe this. Children are a blessing. Not that, not that you're not thinking this way, Aaron. Aaron's really late in pregnancy. It's difficult. And she can remember through this trial of the great blessing that children are. What a great gift from God. And that can get her through this with joy. Another mouth to feed. Praise the Lord. Another, I thought we were going to be able to, I'm not talking about Aaron anymore, I'm talking in general because we have a lot of people. This is not about Aaron. I thought we were the stage of life we were going to start to have our older kids, our younger kids growing up and we could start to do stuff that people do and we know a bunch of screaming kids drag along with us everywhere we go. I don't find that in Scripture. I find that to be Sinful. 
a sinful way of thinking. It's a trial being turned into temptation, and what we must do is go back to the Word of God to believe what's true and right and good and lovely and believe that and live out of that. <laughs> Lead us not into temptation, knowing you're going to bring trials into our lives for our good, because you love us, because you want us to be more like your son. And you did not mean those, God, as a temptation for us to sin. You, you meant it for a way for us to trust in Christ even more. John seventeen fifteen. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. This is the us prayer. This is Jesus praying for us. This is how we pray for one another. Don't, don't take Tamar out of the world, but keep her from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You sent me in the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. <laughs> Sister, Sister Julie is having a struggle right now. She's, she's having struggles in the way she, she's interacting with her family. She, she's, she's having conviction of, her, of the joylessness in her life. Sanctify her in the truth, Father. Your word is truth. Do that, Father. This is an us prayer. It's not a me prayer. God God leads us through these trials, increasing our sanctification on our way to glory. This is the life we live. We don't pray, no trials. We pray, don't lead us into temptation, deliver us from the evil one. You did, you will, and do it now. And how are you going to do that? By the power of your word and the power of your spirit through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what I believe. Closing thought. We pray knowing that God will not lead us into temptations that would have us to sin. We know that. We can acknowledge that when we pray. But he will bring trials into our lives that work for our sanctification. We pray knowing that God has provided the way out of any temptation that we experience via obedience to his commands as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is how we are to pray for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters in the family of God. We, we pray to be protected from the devil. Is it true that no one and nothing can snatch us out of God's hand? Brother Cal, is that true? No one can snatch us out. So why do we pray that way? Because the devil's prowling around. We're simply praying back to God what he's promised to us, that we can't be snatched out. And the way we keep from being snatched out in his providential plan is by obedience to His Word, by the power of the Spirit. By the brethren coming alongside and praying for us and exhorting us and encouraging and spurring us on to love and good works that none would drift away. No hard-heartedness from the deceitfulness of sin. We face trials and temptations. We're, We're simply claiming the promise of God that He's made to His people. We are rescued and delivered already in a sense, and He will protect us ongoingly, and He will do that 
as we obey. You know, it's that picture of, we've all seen it, the umbrella. You know, children, we've talked about, everyone, you've heard this. When you step out of the umbrella of your parents, your fathers give you some commands, yes? And if you step out here and do something different than what they've told you, you're not under their protection. The rain's going to hit you. Okay? Christians, we're under the protection of God. You step outside of what He commands and are disobedient, you're going to get hit by the rain. That's not because He doesn't love you. That's not because He's rejecting you and you're condemned. It's so that you can see, I need to get back under this umbrella. And how I'm going to get there is by the truth of God's Word and believing it. So trials come. But deliver us from temptation. Deliver us from the evil. Protect us, God. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father. Who are we praying to, brothers and sisters? A ogre, distant, angry, vengeful God? We're not. We're praying to our Father who loves us, who's for us, who protects us, who, who, who died for us. We're praying to a relational being, the God of the universe who is our Father. That's who we pray to. Access anytime. Love and acceptance and Guidance. Holy be your name. Be made great, God. Father, be made great through me, through us. Be made great. Be set apart. Show your holiness through us. Your kingdom come. Salvation and sanctification. God, use me for that. Use us for that. Bring your kingdom in us and through us. Give us each day our daily bread. Father, give us what we need. And help us to be content having what we need. Keep us from desiring more. Give us just what we need to be useful for your kingdom. And forgive us our sins. We'll come and confess our sins to our Father who there's no risk of condemnation. We'll confess our sins. We will accept our chastisement. We will know because he loves us, he's going to chasten us, but he will forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is dead unto us. Father, we have no reason to expect your forgiveness if we won't grant forgiveness. Show me who I'm living in unforgiveness toward that I would forgive them. And lead us not into temptation. Father, protect us. Protect us in these trials we go through. Keep us from them being temptations that lead to sin and maybe even death. Deliver us from the evil one. Father, you have promised to keep us. 
You have promised to protect us. Nothing can snatch us out of your hand. Father, make good on that. Show me your way. Give me your will. Have your spirit move in me that I would live out of your truths, that I stay under your protection. Help my sisters and my brothers by name and by by generally, but even by name. Help them to stay under your protection. He isn't forgiving, Father. Cause him to forgive. Remind him of what he's been forgiven of. Father, help him to seek forgiveness and grant forgiveness. Father, help her to be a, a quiet and gentle spirit with her husband. Help her. Help her to complete him. Help her to be reverent toward him. Help her to have the gospel of Jesus Christ and his church not be tainted by her actions. Prayer is not about us. This is the closing, closing thought. Prayer is not about us. It's about God. Prayer is intended to make us think like God, not make God think like us. This entire prayer, this model we're given, it's all about Him. Even as it pertains to how He'll interact with us. It's not about us. It's not, Father, take this trial from me. It's, Father, help me trust you through this trial. Help me grow in my Christ-likeness. Humble me. Keep the thorn right there. Take it, if you will, and I'll be thankful. Keep it here, and I'll be humble. Father, we thank you for who you are. You are the God of the universe. You are the creator and sustainer of all things. And you are our Father. It is mind-numbing, mind-blowing to know that for those of us who have our faith and trust in Christ, you love us. Father, we do desire that people would hear our testimonies and see our lives and you would be made much of. There is a there is a a risk that we run. Father, you have given us so much. We at times can confuse our wants for our needs. We pray for our greeds. Father, we are thankful for what you've provided. We know that you will provide for us. Help us to seek first your kingdom. Father, we sin. We, we've even probably been exposed to sin in our lives this morning. Forgive us. Forgive us, Father, as we forgive those. Chasten us, Father, as we would have secret sin unconfessed. We know we'll be chastened, and we thank you for that. Father, I pray you would continue to unearth and and expose anything that's happening in the life of your people that steals from your glory. Expose it that it may be dealt with. Protect us, Father, as we go through trials. As we go through trials, Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that we're safe in Christ and that these trials will burn off the dross. Make us more like Christ. Father, help us to be obedient to your commands. 
when we find ourselves in a trial, help us to not run to our own logic. Help us not to hide in our sins. But may they be exposed and may we be ministered to by your word and your spirit. Father, take our bad thinking and make it your thinking. Father, not just with mental assent, but our lives would be different. That we would have a a godly sorrow leading to repentance unto life. We would have a zealousness and the desire to clear our name for any sin that we have. Knowing that we will be forgiven because that's who you are. And Christ has accomplished forgiveness for the sins of your people. Father, this week, You've exposed unforgiveness. I'm thankful. I, I'm thankful this week I talked to people who don't even profess Christ as their Lord and Savior that have taken action out of last week's sermon to seek forgiveness and grant forgiveness. Father, help us to not just be hearers of the word, but doers. Any trial we're in right now, that we would trust you and we'd be obedient to your commands. We'd come under your umbrella of protection and live knowing that you are for us. This is for our good. Father, if we are tempted right now to sin, if anyone is tempted in this place to sin, Father, may you snatch them out of that. May they see their need for Christ and turn away from the sin. Cling to Christ. You are a great God and we love you. Amen. Stand and sing hymn 410, the Lord's Prayer. 410.